Lord, I pray you help me as I attempt to preach your word. Lord, I pray you help all of us to be attentive and that the word ministered tonight might be able to help us, Lord, to grow and to understand, Lord, to become better Christians. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Joshua chapter number 1. And we started preaching on the book of Joshua, kind of, last week. If you remember last week, we went through and saw the life of Joshua before the actual book of Joshua. We went through the books of of, uh, the the law there, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and saw all of uh, Joshua and all he did before he became the leader. This week, we'll actually start going through the book of Joshua. And I just wanted you to get an idea of who Joshua was. Before you started seeing him as a leader, I wanted you to understand who Joshua was. Now, if you look at verse number 1, of Joshua chapter number 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. <clears throat> Moses' minister saying, now we talked about it last week, but I want you to see it again. The Bible says that there was a death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. So the servant of the Lord died, and when the Lord was looking for a new servant, he sought out a servant. And, and you need to understand that. Look at verse 1 again. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. What was special about Joshua? He was Moses' minister. The word minister is just another word for the word servant. He was Moses' servant. So, God said, my servant's dead. I need a new servant. He said, if I'm, if I'm going to need a servant, if I'm going to use a servant, why not find someone who's already serving? You understand that? He said, I'm going to find someone who's already in the capacity of serving. This man was ministering to Moses, serving Moses. Now he can step in and serve me. Look at verse 2. Moses, this is what what God said. The last last word in verse 1 says, is this, saying. So, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. So these are all words that God said to Joshua. Look at verse 2. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore. That word therefore is saying, because of the fact that Moses, my servant, is dead. Look what it says. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to thee, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So I want you to notice here, when God begins to speak to Joshua, and when God begins to place Joshua in the position of leadership here for the children of Israel, I want you to notice what we can learn from this, is number one, God's plan. God's plan. God's plan, and you need to understand this, whether it's with the children of Israel, whether it's with Verity Baptist Church, whether it's in your individual life, God's plan does not begin or end with a man. Moses was the leader. Moses was the one that had led them for over 40 years. Moses was the one that went down into Egypt and performed all those great plagues and did all those wonderful things. Moses was probably the greatest leader they've ever had. And they probably, I don't know that you could say they ever had a greater leader than Moses. But when Moses died, God's plan didn't die with the man Moses. His plan is bigger than a person. His plan is bigger than an individual. And by the way, God is always looking for someone to continue His work. Keep your finger there in Joshua, but go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah there, in your Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament, you got those big major books of the Bible. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. 
Is it getting a little too cold now? Is everybody comfortable? Maybe we can shut that off, brother, if you'd appreciate. We gotta, we we gotta balance it all out. Isaiah chapter number six. Look at verse number eight. Isaiah. I hope you don't get annoyed that we keep going back and forth. To be honest with you, I don't do it for myself. I'm uncomfortable either way. But uh, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Isaiah chapter number 6. Are you there? Isaiah chapter number 6. Look at verse number 8. Isaiah 6, 8. Very famous verse. Very well-known verse. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse 8. This is Isaiah speaking. And he said, you've heard of Isaiah, right? Great prophet of God. Look what it says. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. You know that God takes volunteers? God was just speaking there and He said, well, well who shall I send? And who will go? And Isaiah said, well, I don't, I don't know if you'd be interested in me, God, but hey, here am I. He said, then said I, here am I, send me. And what I want you to understand is this. When Moses died, God's plan did not die with him. And a lot of times, you know, we need to understand that it is good to follow people as long as they're following Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But so often in our Christian life, we put a lot of merit on an individual. We put a lot of merit on a person. And as long as a person is doing right, as long as a person is living right, as long as a person is walking with God or following God, then we can follow with them. But a lot of times, if an individual in our lives quits or dies, you and I quit or die. Spiritual. Moses died, but God says, well, we're not done. Moses wasn't the all of this. Moses wasn't the one that started the plan. He's not the one that's going to finish the plan. He said, we're going to continue on without Moses. And in a lot of ways, we need to get to the place, and we need to have the type of Christianity, go back to Joshua, where you and I say, hey, we will do this with you, and we will partner with you. But let me tell you something, as the pastor of every Baptist church, and, and in your Christian life, you need to have this mentality. And, and I, I realize that as a pastor, just two and a half years of pastoring, I had to learn this myself in my own walk, that we need to serve God whether people are with us or not. You say, well, you had 51 people in church this morning, and that was a great attendance for us. But guess what? If 15 people show up for church next week, we're still serving God. Yeah. And you say, well, well, it all depends. You know, uh, we, sometimes people are for us, and sometimes we look at people, and you know, I don't look at people. But let me tell you something. You know, uh, so many churches fall apart when the pastor leaves, or the pastor dies, or the pastor uh, falls in sin. And by the grace of God, that will never happen at Verity Baptist Church. By the grace of God, I'm, I, I plan on being here for a long time. If you're tired of hearing me, you, you might as well get used to it. Because I'm not planning on leaving. I, I, I plan on staying here till I die. And hopefully that's going to be a long time. I'm not planning on leaving. But if I do leave, hey, you ought to continue on. If I do quit, you ought to continue on. And so often, you know, children will say, Well, my parents quit on God, so I'm going to quit on God. Shame on you. Well, my spouse quit on God, so I'm going to quit on God. Shame on you. Well, my spiritual leader died. Hey, yeah, we're all sad Moses died. But the plan continues without him. God says, my servant is dead. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan now and all this people. He says, we're not done. Number one, you see there. Well, actually, let me show you this verse real quick. Go to Ezekiel. Are you and Isaiah? I told you to go back to Joshua, didn't I? I apologize. If you can find Ezekiel, you've got there Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you've got a small book of Lamentations, then you've got the book of Ezekiel. And Isaiah, he said, who, uh, you know, who shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, here my Lord, send me. In Ezekiel, chapter number 22, Ezekiel, chapter number 22, you get a different story. 
In Ezekiel chapter 22, if you look at verse number 30, again, very well-known passages. Ezekiel 22, verse 30, the Bible says, And I sought for a man among them. This is God speaking. He said, I sought. He said, I was looking. He said, I was searching for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And this is probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible. He says, but I found none. Do you see that? He said, I was looking for someone to use. He said, I was looking for someone to give power to. He said, I was looking for someone to put my spirit on. He said, I sought for a man among them. Someone that should make up the hedge. He said, I was looking for someone that would stand up and build something. And stand in the gap. He said, I was looking for someone that would stand for something. That would, that would uh, be, become a bridge in the gap to bring people to salvation. He said, I was looking for someone that I should not destroy the land. Isn't that interesting? But he says, I found none. Hey, what if, God, what if God is looking for someone in your family right now? And He said, hey, I'm looking for someone in your family that I might not destroy. Wouldn't it be sad if He said, but I found none? Hey, wouldn't it be sad if God said, you know, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of America. So you don't think God might say that? He said it about other nations. I'm getting uh, tired of their gay rights movement, and I'm getting tired of their abortion holocaust, and I'm getting tired of all the sin and wickedness in that place. Hey, what if God was looking down at America today, and He said, I sought for a man among them. What did He say, but I found none? Hey, what to God, He'd always be able to look at Verity Baptist Church and say, there's always a group of people there willing to serve, willing to get involved, willing to take up the torch, and, and, and you say, well, you're no Moses. I may not be a Moses, but could I be a Joshua? Yeah, I may, I may not be an Abraham, but can I be an Isaac? Hey, maybe I'm not a Paul or a Peter, but could I be an Andrew? Could I just stand, stand in the gap? The plan of God continues. It doesn't fall on a man. It doesn't fall on a woman. It doesn't fall on an individual. When Moses stepped off the scene, God said, who's next? We learn about God's plan. Number two, I want you to see, we learn about God's promise. Look at verse three. God's promise. Every place, this is what God said to Joshua. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon... That have I given unto you, notice what he says, as I said unto Moses. God said, hey, I promised Moses, and even more than that, he said, I promised Abraham a long time ago that I was going to give him this lamb. And I said to Moses that every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Look at verse 4. He says, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Not only do we learn that God's plan continues, but we also learn this, God's promise continues. God's promise was not just available to Moses when Moses was gone. God's promise was as available to Joshua as it was to Moses. In fact, God says to Joshua, He says, hey, the same thing. He said, as I said unto Moses, the same promises I made to Moses, I make to you. Look at Deuteronomy real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Right before the book of Joshua, you got the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. Look at verse number 39. See, what you need to understand is that the promises of God are available to you and I. In Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verse number 39, and we'll learn more about this as we go through the book of Joshua. Do you remember last week we were talking about the fact that, remember, remember we were talking about 12 men went to spy out Canaan? Do you remember that song? 10 were bad and 2 were good. You remember that? What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants, big and strong. They're like me, big and strong. 
don't know, maybe not. <laughs> some saw grapes of escrow on. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Remember that? The children of Israel came out, came out and ten spies gave an evil report and they said, we're not going to do that. Now here's what you got to understand. They said, we cannot enter into the land. They said, it's too dangerous. They said, our children will suffer. They said that that our kids will will be taken and will be destroyed. Now here's what you need to understand. Here's the interesting thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, look at verse 39. Moreover, this is what God's saying. Your little ones. He's speaking to this generation of people. And this is Moses speaking, but as we know it's the word of God. He's speaking to this generation of people who said, we will not go into the land. They said, no. We, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. They've got walled cities. It's too strong for us. This is what God says. Moreover, your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in hither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Isn't that interesting? They, he says, you used your children as an excuse for not serving God. He says, you know what? I'm going to give the promise to your children and you're not going to get to see it. He said, your children that you said would be a prey, they're actually the ones that are going to go in and take over the land. You know what that tells me is this. God's promise is available to every generation. And God says, I would make it available to you, but if you don't want it, that's okay. I can wait 40 years till you die off. I'll give it to your children. Now what you need to understand is this. God's promise and God's opportunity is ours right now to either lose or grasp. You know, I believe with all my heart that God can do a great work in this city through Verity Baptist Church. But you know, if you refuse to do it and if I refuse to do it, God says, that's okay. I'll use Joshua. I'll use Joel. I'll use these young kids. He said, I'll I'll wait till they're grown up and I'll wait till till you've died off. You don't want to seize the opportunity. That's what he was saying. Now it's your choice and it's my choice. If we're, if we're going to be that generation that takes the opportunity and says we will serve God and we will go into that land and we will conquer that land or we'll be the ones that put up the excuses. And God says, okay, I'll use the next generation. See, the promises of God are available to every generation, but every generation has to make a choice. Am I going to take advantage of them? And you need to understand, right now, this is our hour. This is our time. If we're going to accomplish something for God, we're going to accomplish it now. Before the time passes us by, before the opportunity passes us by, before we no longer have a chance to serve God, we need to decide right now, hey, I'm claiming God's promises. We're going to do it. Because God says, it was, it's no sweat off of my back. I'm long-suffering. I'm patient. You want me to wait till you die off? I'll use the next generation. I said, number one, we see the plan of God. Number two, we see the promise of God. Number three, I want you to see... We see the presence of God. Look at verse 5. He says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Don't miss this. He says, this is what God said. Wouldn't it be good to hear God say these words? I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isn't that interesting? Now look, I take great... Refuge in the not forsake thee part. The Bible talks a lot about that. Actually, keep your finger there in Joshua and go to Hebrews real quickly. Let me show you a very famous passage that uses that same terminology. Hebrews, right before the book of James. Hebrews chapter number uh, 13. Look at verse number 5. Hebrews chapter number 13. If you look at verse 5, 
right before the book of James, towards the end of your New Testament there. Hebrews chapter number 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hey, that's a great promise. The fact that the presence of God is always with you. You can go back to Joshua. He said, I will not leave thee. He said, I'm not going to forsake thee. But he said to Joshua something a little different. He said, not only am I not going to leave thee. He he said these words. Look at the last part of verse 5. He says, I will not fail thee. Now listen. The only person that can say those words and mean them is God. If I said to you, hey listen, I won't fail you. I'm lying to you. Man will fail you. Man will disappoint you. In many ways, I think man is looking for an opportunity to fail you. They're, they're looking, you know, when sometimes, it seems like when you need somebody the most to just come through for you, that's when they don't come through for you, you know what I mean? When, when you don't need it, you know, when you don't need the help, everybody's like, oh, we can help. When you're, when you're stressing out and your world's falling apart and you need the help, that's when you can't find a friend. But you know what? That's when you can find God. Amen. Say, so, well, pastor failed me. If I haven't failed you, I'm, I will fail you. Let me just give you that warning right now. Say, well, pastor failed me. You shouldn't, duh, <laughs> you should have known that. If I, you know, I'm going to forget your birthday, or I'm going to forget something, or I'm not going to do something, or I'm not going to shake your hand when I should have, or I'm not, uh, something's going to happen, I'm going to have something on my mind, I might, you know, speak to you a little rougher than maybe I should have. Hey, I'm a human being. I, I'm telling you right now, I will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Your kids will fail Hey, children, your mom and dad, they'll fail you. They're not perfect. But you know who will never fail you? God. Amen. The only person that could say these words and mean them was God. He said, I will not fail thee. You know what God was saying to Joshua? This is what God was saying to Joshua. He said, he said I've got a plan. And he said, I've got a promise. And he said, if, the, if this doesn't come through, here's what God was saying. If this doesn't come through, it's not because I messed up, Joshua. It's because you messed up. Because I'm God, I don't fail. I'm God, I don't disappoint. He said, I'm God, I don't make mistakes. He said, I will not fail you. You learn about God's promise, and you need to understand this, and just get this, get this type of terminology into your vocabulary. God is good all the time. I don't know if you noticed that verse there in Hebrews. He said, you will not, he said, don't covet. He said, be content with the things you have. Why? Because God's with you. He will not leave thee or forsake thee. Just, you, as a Christian, you know, a mature Christian has this type of terminology. God is good. God is always good. You know, even when things aren't good, God is good. You understand that? Immature Christians walk around with a fat lip all the time, talking about, well, you don't understand how tough it is. Hey, listen, sweetheart, it's tough for everybody. Well, you don't understand, I'm just so broke. I don't know if you know this, look, look at the parking lot, we're all broke. <laughs> I don't see any Mercedes out there. <laughs> we're all struggling. We're all tired. We're all going through something. But the difference between a mature Christian and a worldly person is a mature Christian says, Hey, I'm struggling, but God's good. I'm going through a trial, but God hasn't failed me. Hey, God is good! You learn about God's promise. You learn about God's presence. But you also learn about God's prerequisites. See, so far God has been telling Joshua what He's going to do. But now God begins to tell Joshua what I expect from you. Now notice what he says. You're there in Joshua chapter 1. Look at verse 6. He says, Be strong and of a good courage. 
He says for, that word for there means because. He says, here's why I want you to be strong, and here's why I want you to be of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with the servant thy God. Skip down to verse number 9. Notice what he says. He says, Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The prerequisite that God had for Joshua was this. He said, Joshua, I need you to learn these words. Strong and courage. He says, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Now here's what you got to understand. The prerequisite to being used of God is to be strong and of good courage. Now you need to understand something with this terminology. Go to Ecclesiastes real quickly. Ecclesiastes, if you can find Job, Psalms, Proverbs, right after the book of Proverbs, you got the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse 11. He says, I want you to be strong, Joshua, but you're to understand about being strong. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 11, the Bible says, I returned and saw under the sun that the that the race is not to the swift. Please, please make a note of this. Nor the battle to the strong. Neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. He says, look, the race is not to the swift. And the battle is not to the strong. See, when God says, I want you to be strong and of a good courage, you need to make this mental note. He is not talking about your personal strength. He says, the battle is not to the strong. You're there in Ecclesiastes. If you turn back a few books to the book of Psalms, past the book of Proverbs, back to the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Look at verse 1. You say, well, I don't understand. God says He wants me to be strong. But then He says... The battle is not to the strong. So what does he mean? Well, what you need to understand is this is very simple. Psalm 18, look at verse 1. Psalm 18, verse 1. The Bible says in Psalm 18, 1, I will love thee, O Lord. You know the next two words? My strength. You see that? What's my strength? The Lord. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. You're there in Psalm 18. Turn over to Psalm 19. Look at verse 14. Psalm 19, verse 14. Psalm 19, 14. The Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. Who's my strength? The Lord. He says, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Go to Psalm 22, look at verse 19. Psalm 22, verse 19, the Bible says, But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Go to Psalm 27, look at verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
See, what you need to understand is the strength that God expects you to have is God Himself. When He said be strong and of a good courage, He's saying you're going to get that strength not in yourself, Joshua. You're going to get that through God. Look at verse 14, same chapter, Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Does that sound familiar? And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Look at Psalm 28. Look at verse 7. Psalm 28, verse number 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart gladly rejoices. And with my song will I praise Him. The Lord, the Lord is their strength. And He is the saving strength of His anointed. Are you getting the point? I mean, there's a lot of more verses we can look at. Look at Psalm 31. Let me just show you a few more. Psalm 31. Look at verse 24. Psalm 31, verse 24. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Uh, go, go to Psalm. Let's just look at it. Psalm 71. Psalm 71. Look at verse 16. Psalm 71. If we do it quickly, we can be done with it. Psalm 71. Look at verse 16. Look what it says. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Notice the psalmist didn't say, I will go in my own strength. He said, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Go to Psalm 105, look at verse 4. Psalm 105, verse 4. Psalm 105 and verse number 4. The Bible says, seek the Lord and His strength. Now understand this. He's saying, seek the Lord, and He's saying, seek the Lord's strength. Seek His face evermore. Look at Psalm 118, verse 14. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song, and has become my salvation. Uh, Psalm 144 is the last one we'll look at in, in Psalm. Psalm 144, look at verse 1. Psalm 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. See, when God says, be strong and of good courage, He's not talking about your strength. Why? Because your strength will fail. My strength will fail. If you try to, whatever it is that God has called you to do, I don't know what God has called you to do. I know God has called me to be a husband, and to be a father, and to be a pastor. And God may have called you to be a husband, He may have called you to be a wife, He may have called you to be a father, He may have called you to be a mother, He may have called you to run a business, He may have called you to do any number of things. I don't know what God called you to do, but I do know this. If you attempt to do it in your own strength, you will fail. The strength you need to accomplish the will of God. You say, the plan of God for Joshua was to lead the children of Israel, but he had to do it in the strength of God. Amen. Otherwise, he wasn't able to do it. Now, here's what you got to understand about the strength of God. Go, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We've seen these verses before, but let me show them to you again, because it's good for you to see them again and again, so you can learn them. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. See, the, the, the interesting thing about the strength of God is this. These are well-known verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you look at verses 7, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now please, don't, don't just read through that verse. and Please understand that. The Apostle Paul said, he said, I was having so much success in my ministry that God did not want me to be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. 
He said, God was revealing Himself to me. God was using the Apostle Paul to write Scripture. God was using the Apostle Paul to preach great sermons and see great revivals and see many churches started and many converts saved. And he said, through the abundance of revelation, God did not want me to get exalted above measure. Here's what you need to understand too. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, you start having success in that, and there's this issue that your pride may start growing a little bit. You say, God called, you say, Pastor, I know, and I don't know. You say, Pastor, I know God called me to start a business. And I'm going to start this business, and it's going to be for the glory of God. And that's how we start everything, don't we? I'm going to do this for the glory of God. I'm not going to skip church for work, and I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But then you start making money. Then you start seeing success. And you start forgetting about God. And the Apostle Paul said, he said, I was having so much success. Look at verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Referring to a physical ailment. He said, but this thorn in the flesh was not just an ailment. He said, it was the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Do you know what the word buffet means? It means to punch you. He said, the messenger of Satan was given to me just to beat me up. Why? Because God didn't want him getting too proud. God didn't want him getting too exalted. Look what he said. Less. That word less means unless I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8. He said, for this thing, what thing? The thorn in the flesh. What thing? The messenger of Satan to buffet me. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, don't miss this. And you need to understand this. He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for... The word for means because. He says, Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now here's what you can understand. You say, you say I want to be like Joshua. And man, the book of Joshua is so exciting. I, I, I hope you're excited to learn about the book of Joshua. I mean, Joshua gets to do everything that Moses did not get to do. Joshua walks into, in, into the promised land, and, and just like God parted the Red Sea for Moses, God is going to stop the Jordan River for Joshua so he can pass into the promised land. They're going to go up to their first battle there in Jericho, and literally God's going to cause the walls to come tumbling down as they take over. I mean, it's an exciting book. He's going to go in there and just have victory after victory. And there's a few setbacks, but he's going to have victory after victory after victory, and he's going to literally conquer the land. All the way in the book of Genesis, you remember when God promised Abraham the land, Joshua gets to walk in and do those things. Exciting book. But what you need to understand is this. Joshua did not do it in his own strength. He did it in the strength of God. Now here's the thing. You say, I want to have the strength of God in my life. Now I'd ask you this question. Do you really count the cost? Because the Bible says... That my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, the weaker you are, the stronger God is in your life. Say, I want the power of God in my life, but are you willing to sacrifice for the power of God? See, Paul was doing a great work for God. And God said, I want to continue this work. So Paul, I've got to make you weaker because my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, you and I say, well, I want to have great success, and I want to have a church with uh, 5,000 people in it. But do I want the thorn that comes with that flesh? You understand that? Well, I want to have great success in my finances. 
message, but do you want the messenger of Buffett that comes with that success? I'm just trying to warn you. You say, I want the power and strength of God in my life, and I want you to have the power and strength of God in your life, but you need to understand that when God will work in your life, He will make you weaker so that He can be stronger. John John the Baptist said, I must decrease that He may increase. Notice what he said, look verse 9. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And notice what Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, he says, will I rather glory in my infirmities. See, now, before he was saying, God, please take this infirmity away from me. When he realized that the infirmity was there, so that the power of God might rest on his life, he said, hey, I'm glad I've got the infirmity. That the power of God, of Christ, may rest upon me. See, the strength of God comes as you get weaker. Go, go to Second uh, Chronicles, real quickly. Second Chronicles, chapter 12. And all of us may say, well, we want the strength of God in our lives. But in order to have the strength of God in your life, you've got to become weaker so that He can be stronger in you. Second Chronicles chapter 12. Look at verse... Uh, I'm sorry, First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 22. First Chronicles chapter 22. I, I, want, you to see, I, I want you to see this because it's very interesting. First Chronicles 22. If you look at verse number 6. In 1 Chronicles 22, just so you get a little bit of the background, well, look, look at verse 6. It says, Then he, referring about King David, then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. You remember David wanted to build the temple of God, and God said, you can't build it? But Solomon, David's son, was going to be allowed to build that temple. Look at verse 7. And David said to Solomon, My son... As for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Here's what David is saying. David is saying, I wanted to build the temple of God. But God said, because of my history, because of things I've done in my past, because of the fact that I've shed lots of blood, He said I wasn't allowed to do it. And by the way, that ought to teach you a lesson. Hey, God forgives sin, and God's, God's for, you know, God, God will give you a second chance, and forgetting those things we are behind, but you need to understand, sometimes the things we do in the past will hinder what we can do for God in the future. Let that be a warning. He said, I wanted to build a temple, but I wasn't allowed to. God said, you're not going to build it, David. But guess who's going to build it? Your son Solomon. The plan of God doesn't end with David. The promises of God continue on to the next generation. Look at verse uh, number 11. David is getting ready to die. And he's getting ready for his son to take the role of king. And his son, like Joshua, okay? Moses died. Joshua was getting ready to be that next leader to take the torch that next generation. David was getting ready to die and his son Solomon was getting ready to take that next step. Now Joshua was going to conquer the land. Solomon wasn't going to conquer the land. He was going to build a temple for God. And look look at what it says in verse number 11. Now my son, this is David speaking to Solomon, the Lord be with thee and prosper thou and build the house of the Lord thy God as he hath said to thee. Look at verse 12. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Look at verse 13. Then shalt thou prosper, 
if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses, which concerning Israel. Notice what he says. Does this sound familiar? Be strong and of a good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. See, what David was telling Solomon, the next generation, the future leader, so same thing that God was telling Joshua, the next generation, the future leader. He said, if you're going to accomplish the plan that God has for your life, you're going to have to learn these words. Strong and of good courage. And you need to understand, we are in a spiritual battle. If you don't get that, if you haven't lived long enough in your Christianity, hey, you know, take advantage of the, the, the honeymoon you're in because it's coming. There is a battle. The devil, does not, the devil does not want you to succeed. The devil does not want you in church tonight. The devil does not want you reading nine chapters a day. He doesn't want you reading the Old Testament. He doesn't want you preaching the gospel. He doesn't want you getting people saved. He doesn't want you making a difference. He doesn't want you doing anything. He's going to fight you all the way. And if you're going to fight him, and if you're going to survive in this battle, you're going to have to be strong and of good courage. So how do I get strong? Get weak. The fastest way to get strong is to get weak. The fastest way to, to be lifted up by God is to be humble. He resisted the proud, is what the Bible says. Go back to Joshua real quickly. We're almost done. Joshua, I know some of you guys are like, hey, we're still having the cake, right? <laughs> yeah, we're having the cake. Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 7. I said number 1, we saw God's plan. Number 2, we saw God's promise. Number 3, we saw God's presence. Number 4, we saw God's prerequisite. Number 5, I want you to see, we see God's prosperity. Now, the verses we're going to look at right now are probably some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I didn't say they were my favorite, but they, they're definitely up there. I like these verses. Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. He said, I want you to be strong so you can do everything the law tells you to do. I want you to be strong so you can read the Bible and understand what it says and then apply it to your life. He says, be thou strong and very courageous, thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper. Do you see that word there, prosper? Does that sound like a nice word? I like that word. Now there are those today who preach a prosperity gospel. A name it and claim it gospel. Uh, uh, you know, you got saved and they treat God like He's some sort of a genie. He's just going to give you anything you want. Just You, you want that Mercedes? Just ask God for Mercedes. You just name it and claim it and He'll give it to you. No, that's not how it works. Trust me. But He did say this, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now here's what's interesting. Look at verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Notice what it says. Don't miss this. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Does that sound like you might make your way prosperous? He says, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. You know that that word... In Joshua one eight, the word success is the only time the word success is found in the entire King James Bible. In this verse. And he just said, then thou shalt have good success. Now I don't know about you, but if I read a verse that says, you will prosper, and I read a verse that says, you will have success, I want to see how I can apply that verse to my life, because guess what? I want to prosper. 
and I want to have good success. Now, I'm not a name it and claim a preacher. I'm not going to get up here and tell you, you look like the devil and you'll do whatever you want and you just ask God for whatever and He's going to give it to you because He loves you. And that's not how it works. But He did say, you can have prosperity and you can success, have a success in your life. Look at verse 8. Look what He says. How do you get that? Notice what He says. This book of the law, referring to God's word, shall not depart out of thy mouth. He says, if God's word does not depart out of your mouth, note what he says, but instead of it departing out of the mouth, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. He said, if you can figure out a way to have God's word in your mouth, and not have it depart. If you can figure out a way to meditate upon God's word day and night. He says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. He says, you figure out how to have God's word in your mouth and not have it depart. You figure out how to meditate upon God's word day and night. You figure out how to do everything that God told you to do in the Bible. Look what he says. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, compare that to, uh, go to Psalm real, real quickly. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Let's do this quickly because we need to be done. Psalm 1. Look at verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Blessed. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Look at verse 8. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate. Does that sound familiar? Notice what it says. And His law doth he meditate day and night. Do you see that? Now notice what it says. He says, if in His law you meditate day and night, look at verse 3, and He, who's He? That He's referring to the guy that, uh, the, the man that's blessed, the man that walks on the counsel of the godly, the man that uh, is delighted in the law of the Lord, and His law doth meditate day and night. Look at verse 3. And He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Look what it says. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you see that? The Bible tells you this. If you can meditate upon God's word day and night, God promises that he will make you prosper. God promises he'll give you strength. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's a, you, you, you know, uh, trees require water for strength. You know that? <laughs> and if they're planted by a river, guess what they have a lot of access to? Water. Very strong. He said, not only will you be strong like a tree planted by the rivers of water, he said, you're going to bring forth fruit. That bringeth forth fruit, uh, his fruit in his season. Look what it says. His leaf also shall not wither. This guy's not decaying. This guy's not falling apart. This tree's not dying. And whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. Say, how do I get that? If you meditate on God's Word day and night. Say, how do I do that? Well, there's only one way that I know how to meditate on God's Word day and night. Go to John real quickly. John John 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. One of the things that Pastor Jimenez tries to do a lot in his life, and, and please listen to me. I am, I am not, in this area of my life, I am not anywhere close to where I need to be. I'm working on it every day and trying to be better at it, and we can all be better at it. But you know, let me just give you, you, let me, let me just give you the secret to success right now. According to the Bible, if you meditate on God's Word day and night, you can have, God promises you that you'll be successful and you will prosper. Say, well, how do I do that? The only way I can 
figure out to meditate on God's Word day and night is to memorize God's Word. That's the only way I can do it. I tried to read the Bible as I was driving down the street, but that didn't work out. <laughs> I'm already not that great of a driver when I'm fully focused on the road, much less, you know, reading through the book of Leviticus. But I believe that if you said, you know what, I'm going to begin to memorize large portions of Scripture. See, you say, well, why, why can you do that? Well, like I was, I was driving down the road today going to pick a visitor up for church. And I was driving down the road, I was just quoting Scripture. My scriptures for today. Guess what I was doing? I was meditating on God's Word day and night. The book of the law didn't depart out of my mouth. Because I can be quoting His Word, meditating upon His Word, thinking about His Word. And I'm here to tell you, God promises if you meditate upon His Word day and night, I showed you two different passages, He promises He will make you prosper. He promises He will give you great success. Hey, I didn't say you're going to be a millionaire. I didn't say all your problems are going to go away. But if you start memorizing a whole lot of scripture, you're going to be mature enough to realize that that's not what God said anyway. Amen. You're going to be mature enough to realize that that's not, that doesn't bring true joy anyway. But God said, if you meditate upon my word, He said, I'll give you success. He promised it. Now some of you say, well, I'm not going to memorize scripture. That's okay. You can lose that life. I don't want to lose in life. I want to win. Amen. And God put a promise there. He said, hey, I'll make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Are you there? Go to John 15. Look what it says. John 15. Look at verse 1. Real quickly. We've got to finish this. Uh, John 15, look at verse 1. Look what it says. I am the true vine. That's what Jesus Christ said. That's one of those great I am statements He made. He said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Jesus said, I'm the vine. He said, my father is the husbandman, the farmer. Look what it says. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. Who taketh away? The husbandman. Who's the husbandman? The father. He said, I'm the vine and I've got these branches coming off of me. And these branches that don't bear fruit, He takes those away. And every branch that beareth fruit, He purchaseth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Notice the emphasis on the word of God. Verse 4. Look what He says. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine... No more can ye except ye abide in me. Do you understand what he's saying? I have to like to think about this. He's talking about a vine there, but I like to think of it in the way of a tree. He says, if there's a tree, he said, I'm the tree, I'm the vine. What he's saying is, I'm the source, I'm the nourishment, I'm the strength. He said, you're the branches. Now he said, if you want to be a branch that is strong, if you want to be a branch that is producing something, you've got to get connected to the source, the vine, the, 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 the tree trunk. Now he said, look, if the branch is disconnected, if, you, if, if I took a branch and broke it off the trunk, and just put it, you, am I going to come back the next day and that, that branch there, oh look, it grew an apple all, all its own. It's going to die. Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. It's not connected to the trunk. It's not nourished. Jesus said, you get connected to the vine that is Jesus Christ. He said, you get connected to my word. He said, I'll strengthen you. He said, I'll help you be fruitful. He said, I'll help you be successful. He said, I'll help you produce. But the sad part is this, most Christians are not connected to the vine. Most Christians like the vine. They say the vine is nice. They want to go visit the vine every Sunday morning. They think the vine is a good vine. They think the vine is a great vine. But they're not connected to the vine. See, a Christian that's connected to the vine is getting his nourishment from the vine. 
A Christian that's connected to the vine is getting his strength from the vine. A Christian that's connected to the vine is in his Bible every day. Reading every day. Studying every day. Meditating every day. Memorizing every day. That's where the strength comes. And God promises. Go back to Joshua chapter 1. He promises. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. I'm sorry. Um, let, let me. Verse 7. Yeah, I'm sorry. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. He says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God doesn't want you to fail in life. God doesn't want you to be unsuccessful in life. Now, again, I'm not saying that he's talking about making you a millionaire. The Bible says they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. You say, my my number one goal in life is to be a millionaire. You're going to destroy your life. The love of money is the root of all evil. But you can be successful, and you can be prosperous, and you can be a fruitful Christian, and God wants you to succeed. Hey, God wasn't sending Joshua into the promised land because He wanted to see Joshua fail. God was sending Joshua and the children of Israel into the promised land because He wanted to see them succeed. But He was telling them, if you're going to succeed, you've got to get connected to my word. And if you're going to succeed, you're going to have to get your strength and your nourishment from my word. And if you're going to succeed, you're going to need my strength. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to succeed in whatever God has for you in life, you're going to have to get connected to God's word. What that means is that on Monday morning, you may want to pick this book up and read it. What that means is that on Tuesday morning, you may want to pick up the Bible and read it. What that means is that you may want to get a 3 by 5 card and write a verse on it and carry it with you in your shirt pocket or in your purse where you lays or whatever and take it out when you're standing around, when you're waiting for an elevator, when you're driving down the street, when you're not doing it. Instead of thinking about, you know, aimless things, start memorizing God's Word. So you can get His strength. So you can abide in the vine. And be fruitful and successful and prosper. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, thank you for the book of Joshua that teaches us about your plan, your promise, your prosperity. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to actually have a vision for our lives that we might be able to be used of you. And Lord, I want to be successful in my Christian life. I want to do great things for you. But if I'm going to do great things for you, I'm going to have to learn to be connected to the vine. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.